Oftentimes, society wants us to check a box. I'm a mom. I have a career. I'm an entrepreneur. They tell us to niche down. But what happens when you want to have it all? Welcome to the Multifaceted AF Podcast. My name is Kay, and my mission is to help men and women everywhere own all of the pieces of who they are in every way. We're going to be joined by guests and friends that show us what celebration of taking up space in all places really looks like. Now let's dive in. So today I'm joined by Sharia Wade Boyce. Hi. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Sharia, as you mentioned, (laughs) Um, and I work at State Street Corporation Mm -hmm. in the Global Inclusion, Diversity and Equity Office. And yeah. I've been at State Street for about 16 years. Um, I'm married to my husband, Stevenson Boyce, <laughs> and um, I live in Randolph, originally from the beautiful island of Montserrat. Very beautiful island. Very, very beautiful. Like, Small. That You guys keep it under wraps. Yes. Like, it's Intentional. A it's a beautiful island. Yes. Okay. It's for, it's for, I would call the boring tourists, but it's meant for like the tourist that just wants to relax. Yes. Right. Yes. Like breathe, get some space. Okay. Yeah, Absolutely. that's us. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. What else? Um, and I'm also the current president of the National Black MBA Boston Chapter Association. Yes. Um, I could name a long list of other things, mm-hmm. but, you know, I am wearing a posse shirt. So I have to mention alumni of multiple collegiate programs okay. here in Boston, including like old school urban scholars, if anyone's an urban scholar person mm-hmm. from a long, long time ago, bottom line, you aspire, um, the list goes on. So, mm-hmm. so we met, yeah. Ooh, a long, I don't want to say it's, it hasn't been that long. We met maybe 2015 timeframe. Yep. So we met through national black MBA association. Yep. Um, I joined shortly before finishing my MBA. Mm-hmm. So I had started getting, I became active in the group. I actually started the Simmons College um, collegiate chapter. So mm-hmm. I helped to kind of form that and then started becoming active in the professional chapter while Gary was president right before Darla became president. So I was actually on whatever committee she was heading. I think it might've been um, I think operations. it was operations. Yep. Operations. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that is how we met. So we've yeah. known each other for quite some time. Some while. This has been a while. It's been a little while. <laughs> so some journeys. Absolutely. Yep. So we've been kind of teammates. So we definitely were working in the professional chapter of National Black MBA Association mm-hmm. um, through a few presidencies. So yep. through Gary's presidency, through um, we both took mm-hmm. on VP roles during Darla's presidency. Yep. Um, and now... Your presidency. That's right. Yes. Yes. Coming to a close <laughs> on that one. But yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's yep. been a good amount of time. Yep. Yep. Um, and I think what I love about our kind of relationship is almost the iron sharpens iron. So mm-hmm. we definitely bount, like bouncing ideas off of each other. That's always a good opportunity. Yep. I think leaning on each other as we are kind of navigating this space of being um, philanthropists in a unique way. I think when a lot of people think about philanthropy, mm-hmm. they think about stuffy, old. Yep, they do. Um, they do. People that with money, exactly that generational yeah. wealth type of situation, yep. like naming libraries and buildings after people. Yep. When they think about philanthropy, they think about that, but that's not necessarily what philanthropy has to be. Absolutely. So not. this idea of giving something to others. Mm-hmm is really the nature. That's what it means to be a philanthropist. It's that giving to others. And that may be money because monetary goes a long way, mm-hmm. but it can be your skills, your time, your services. Absolutely. Um, so talk to me a little bit about what this idea of philanthropy has allowed you to do, kind of navigating the philanthropic side, but leveraging it on the career side. Absolutely. So I think if we, when we start about the word philanthropy, a lot of people 
as you said, always think about old money, white men with names on buildings. Um, and we forget that um, philanthropy is just that normalcy of giving back. And most of us grew up knowing what that looks Absolutely. like, either been a recipient of some of that mm-hmm. or, you know, that Thanksgiving when we used to go and share turkey out, anything like that. Or I've always done stuff like that within my family. So, like, I feel like that's something a lot of people kind of, you know, kind of built in. Absolutely. And so we kind of know what that is and what that looks like. But then we get older and we think, okay, now we're about to build our career. We don't have time to do philanthropy or we don't think that we even have the funds um, to do philanthropy. And I think National Black MBA was literally our first, at least for me, it was my first insight to say like in adulthood, what philanthropy looks like in a different way, serving our community in a different way with a professional chapter. Absolutely. Um, It was something that I was getting my MBA. I wanted to be around other people that was getting their MBA. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, entrepreneurship mindset, like just trying to think of like, who do I know? What do I know? I I knew nothing pretty much. (laughs) So, um, so for me, it was just building that. And um, when Gary was the president, he just, I think he just eased into it. He was just like, so do you want to just help me out with this fundraiser and this thing? And I'm like, what do you mean help you out? Like, I don't even know how to organize an event. I don't know how to organize a fundraiser at all. Uh I know, no, had no clue. Um, But not only was the chapter a learning lesson, but they also had other people who have done it in the past or who run the event who was helping you Uh now to transition into learning how to do that. That was a new skill that I had no clue that I even was good at Uh in any capacity, but you know, they had a lot of people within the group that was willing to help you um, share some responsibility with you and you work as a group and you try to put it all together. And we raised, you know, 20,000 in a night, like, that sounds like little, but I'm telling you for someone who's never raised anything, it was a lot of money. It was a lot, right? Um, and that was just one small piece of the fundraiser, right? There was a larger, bigger campaign, but like I was only one part of the given part part of the process. But I didn't personally have 20000 but I was able to figure out how I motivated mm-hmm. maybe 100 people in the room to give $20, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so that was just my insight of like, how could I do this? Um, and then obviously going on to be the executive director of the Leaders of Tomorrow program on the Darla, and then moving on to being the president of the National Black MBA. I think that was, again, those are the pieces that were building skills, soft and hard skills that I wasn't getting at work. Absolutely. I didn't manage people at work and I was able to manage people within National Black mm-hmm. MBA, kind of got those understanding of how to set some strategy, how to create like a plan, these goals, all these kind of things that I wasn't getting at work. Um, but now being able to build that into a skill set at work um, and ask them for more no, and tell them, hey, like, I know how to do this now. Would you like me to help you do this? Um, and so that was kind of where a lot of that came in. And I hope people are still doing that. Like for young people out there who are listening, you know, really think about organizations that are passion you're passionate mm-hmm. about, organizations of good people that you're trying to get to know or, you know what I mean, whatever that that is, um, that's where you start. Absolutely. And just ask them, like, do you need help? Do you, it could be simple as administrative type of work. It could be simple as just one little small project, mm-hmm. but you're going to build that skill and now you can transfer it into how you're doing it at work. Absolutely. I think for me, um, it was also really a, a stepping stone and almost a building block. So again, I came in through Darla. Darla was really my connection point to the mm-hmm. organization. Um, and very similar to Gary, it was like, oh, come help me with this thing. Like, come help me with this thing. So the recruitment process was very much like, I see a skill set that you have. Come leverage that over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really was an opportunity to, to, to your point. I didn't have these things on my actual resume, like from my work on the work side. But I knew that there were things that I aspired to do in my career. Mm-hmm. So it was an opportunity to kind of take those the needs of the organization into into mind, take kind of the skill set that I was looking to build pair the two kind of find that 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 meeting point in the middle and start doing those skills for the organization so that Mm -hmm. I can put that on my resume and leverage that experience to kind of build like proof social proof 
mm-hmm. on the career side. So that's definitely something that I encourage others to do. So when I'm doing kind of from the career coaching perspective, we'll have a conversation about like, okay, what are the things that you want to do? Kind of what are your aspirations yep. career wise? Mm-hmm. Where are the gaps? So what does your current experience look like? Where do you want to get to that spot in the middle where mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of lacking some things? Those are opportunities. Where can yep. we develop those skills? May not be on your job description at your nine to five. But if you can find an organization and put those skills to use, yep. you can now document the fact that I've done this. I've had this experience. Mm-hmm. So what I usually do is gra- get a job description of that future job that you want. Mm-hmm. What are they asking for that yep. you don't have? Yep. Take those items and then craft your job description for the nonprofit organization Absolutely. and go to work. Absolutely. Go to work. Go to work. they're going they're go to gonna benefit from it. But it's also the other piece about it is like it's a passion that Absolutely. you already have a drive for. Absolutely. So if you have that connection to the organization, it's even better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. You'll work 10 times harder. Definitely. Definitely. Because <laughs> yep. it is a pa- it's com- yep. it comes from a place of passion versus yep. anything else. Yep. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you talked a little bit about your date, your full-time day job, Mm -hmm. your role there. So talk to me a little bit more about what is the title again? Diversity. uh, Well, (laughs) you guys refer to it a little bit differently. Yeah. So the team is called Global Inclusion, Diversity, and Equity. Inclusion, Diversity, and Equity. Yes. Instead of, I know most people call it DEI. Yep. Diversity, Um, Equity, and Inclusion. Exactly. But you guys made a very conscious decision to To talk talk about about it differently. Exactly. And through that. Yeah, absolutely. So when the team started, it started like back in 2009 i will say so the the office is way older than my job in Mm -hmm. particular so Mm -hmm. i just want to caveat by that but the first the first thing that happened at state street was our employee networks okay um and employee resource groups so i know a lot of people call them ergs brgs they all the same thing employee networks you get the point Mm -hmm. um they start really grassroots it's for employees to gather um they started about 23 plus years ago um and that's mostly our black professional group our women's network um and I think maybe one other group had started back then. Maybe I think it's Pride and Friends, right? And so they started as just gathering culturally um, different events that they were putting on, whether that's Black History Month, any of those type of things. Um, and then there was an office formed in 2009 called Global Inclusion. And it was really meant to just cultivate that inclusion piece of it. Um, and so it was to grow the employee networks across the globe, not just thinking about it as like grassroots and they're coming together, which is kind of nice, but they need a budget. They needed money to do things. They needed some kind of structure of like, how are you giving back to the business itself? Like, why should we let employees do these things on the side, et cetera? Um, and so there was a global inclusion office that was formed. They really were a liaison to those earlier grassroots organize, um employee networks to kind of cultivate, mature them a little bit more. And then we kind of learn that we need to do more, right? So we are trying to evolve as we move forward further. Um, and then that's when we introduced diversity goals. And actually that's when we added diversity to our name. So it was inclusion, global inclusion and diversity. Um, and when I joined actually in 2020, it was called global inclusion and diversity only. Um, and that was really um, Paul had joined Paul Francisco, who's our chief diversity officer. While he joined State Street a while back, he only became the chief diversity officer about six years ago. Okay. And so he started running that office. At that point, we had diversity goals. We had some accountability piece of it. And the good news, all the things I'm telling you is all online. So I'm not like telling you (laughs) anything that's like a secret or anything (laughs) like it's all online. Um, And then the last piece is in 2020, we built out this equity model in particular. And most people throw around the word equity, um, but really don't understand what that means and think you could just say DEI. And I think that's where we went wrong. Like, you can't just say DEI because you think that it sounds like a really good word, but if you're really not doing equity work, there's no point of you putting it in your actual title or even in your department. That's just how we feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where our trajectory came. It really was a natural timeline of how we were actually doing the work. So it was really smart for them to start with the inclusion piece where we're talking about people belonging, people feeling like they can stay at State Street, they can retain themselves here. They, there's, there's managers who are willing to foster their growth, et cetera. That's the inclusion piece. And then the diversity piece is just the metrics, right? Most people just start with the metrics, but honestly, you can get a lot of people in the door, but they will walk right back out Absolutely. if you don't have the inclusion piece. Um, and so the, here's where the E comes in right now. For us, it was equity work that was intentional 
um, when we talk about equity, we're talking about how we provide tools, access to folks that usually the system is already against. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. That's a short term of just saying that, right? Like most of the time we are, we are by ourselves are just, the world is against us mm-hmm. and in different ways. The system is against you in different ways. And how do we make sure we address you today and give you the tools that you need in order to be successful? Um, equality would mean that we give you the same chair and you you go out there and somehow you end up getting all the things that you need to get. Absolutely. But equity means that, no, I need to give you a higher chair because or a stool mm-hmm. in this essence, right? Like a bar stool at this point, because you're already set that the system is against you mm-hmm. to actually get to where you want to get to at the certain point. And so that's when we act, added equity into particular to our measures. And we determined what what our equity measures were going to be based on metrics. Um, we saw a really great incline in our employees of color metrics as well as our um, gender. But then we really saw this plateau around our black and Latinx. Um, and that's not unique in any corporation. Um, I'm sure everyone knows that this is actually part of the problem. Uh, and we saw a plateau there. So we are trying to figure out how do we address that? And so we created what we call 10 actions to address racism and equality. Um, and there goes the 10 that we did. Um, so we're still doing them, right? They don't go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of work there and I can go through all day. But I think for us, um, you know, just our journey in general, that's why we call the office that. And I guess my official title, I know that was the original question. Um, my official title is the head of global inclusion, diversity and equity programs. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my role is to really manage um, the employee networks strategy, the governance, the framework of that um, and make sure they successful, right? Like they have all the tools that they need. Um, And then we also manage all of the, you know, all of our external internal type of outreach to our clients, whether that's internal clients or external clients. Um, and then the last thing is our partnerships. So like National Black MBA happened to be one of my partners. Um, and this is actually how I got into the work of DEI in particular was through um, National Black MBA already externally. And then internally, I started this work in 2020, um, but it was a natural progression and conversation with the office because I already knew the office. Like I already knew Paul, already knew a lot of the team. I knew the work that they were doing um, because National Black MBA was our partner and actually our, probably one of our number one funders mm-hmm. at the time when we started this work. And so now I've transitioned on the flip side. I am the funder. <laughs> um, so it's kind of weird, but uh, but that's kind of where I'm at now. Okay. So really excited stuff. Yeah. No, I think that that's really important work. Yep. Um, So, you know, for me, I talk a lot about representation and I think that one of the things that is important is kind of our representation in the workspace. Mm -hmm. Um, So being from the corporate side also, I know the importance of seeing people that look like me within the organization. Um, And I think that you talked a little bit about the employee resource group or the um, business resource groups at Mm -hmm. work. Those are so important, so valuable. Um. And I think that that's really kind of the origin story of this idea of the multifaceted movement. For me, it started when I was in the um, kind of corporate space being introduced to the employee resource groups. The first one I was made aware of was the African Heritage. That's what we call our ERG for Black employees. Mm -hmm. So the African Heritage Employee Resource Group. Um, I came across that I actually ended up starting a chapter in the Boston area. We had a couple of locations. I think we had one in Franklin, but not enough um, representation in the Boston area. So I started the Boston chapter, Mm -hmm. um, was very active in that. But then during that work, other people were reaching out to me from other ERGs. So yes, I clearly identify as a part of the African Heritage BRG, but I was also contacted by the women's ERG. So yep. I sat on some panels and did some kind of career conversations. And then the millennials, I was a part of a um, mentoring, a reverse, a reverse mentorship program. Mm-hmm. Then they decided they wanted to start one for working parents. So it's like all of these different groups are kind mm-hmm. of bubbling to the surface. And I identify with all of them. Mm-hmm. I am absolutely a black person. I am a woman. Mm-hmm. I am a millennial. 
I am a working mother. Mm-hmm. So I'm checking all these boxes. And that's the idea of the fact that like, you don't have to check just one. Nope. Like this idea of I'm not only one of these, these things. Nope. I'm no less the other things when I'm operating the space mm-hmm. in the space of one of them. So this idea of embracing the fact of that intersectionality. So yep. I mean, I refer to it as being multifaceted, but it really is this concept of intersectionality, being able to kind of ebb and flow yep. in the different parts of who you are mm-hmm. and to remain authentic and all of those things absolutely, and to embrace them and to celebrate them because I am very proud of all of the pieces that um, I represent. So that's really, I think it is... I can point to that kind of experience and going through that experience. That really was kind of the aha moment where it was like, there's no reason to check a box. You don't. Exactly. And, and it's it's beautiful that any organization has those layers for folks to be able to kind of embrace and take a moment to be in those mm-hmm. spaces. And one of the things that we encourage is that, you know, they do a lot of activities together as much as possible. One, to under, to underlay that intersectionality mm-hmm. piece, but also to just show you that the culture is so vast, right? One of the things that I really love what our Latin professionals did really well this year is that every heritage month, not just their mm-hmm. own, they had some kind of programming that tied in what it was about. Um, so even for the Asian Pacific Islander month, Asian American Pacific Islander month, what they did was they actually had one of their advisors who was both Asian and Latino. Oh, wow. And so she actually, they did a, they do it like a cafe mm-hmm. con the person, mm-hmm. like whatever who it is, right? Like a, so like a cafe chat, mm-hmm. like, and so it was really kind of cool because again, she's sharing her experiences Absolutely. growing up um, in the Asian community and the things that she gets and the regimented piece of what she gets from one culture mm-hmm. to the other culture and how it's built her career and built who she is as a person. And again, but people are hearing those experiences. I think most people just never knew they were like, Absolutely. oh no, she's only this, like she's only a Latina and that's it. Cause she actually visibly mm-hmm. looks like a Latina. Right. So no one in her, no one would have known that she was Asian or any, in any capacity, Absolutely. but it was something she was willing to share and um, talk about. And I think people really appreciated that conversation because one, most people just don't know that we, the diaspora is so big mm-hmm. and so large. And, but then to your point about this intersectionality of being a working parent, being a woman, um, being a black woman, in the corporation, I mean, that to me is all the different issues of what we got to address from an equity lens. Absolutely. Um, because of those pieces, like it doesn't all sit the same. So a black woman going through the dynamics and a, a single parent or anything like that does not look the same as, you know, a white man mm-hmm. in this space. Like Absolutely. it just doesn't it's look not, the same. Um, and so that's where equity really comes in and the work that we're doing. Absolutely. So there's a saying, it goes, diversity is being invited to the party, inclusion is being asked to dance. And then the add on to that is the equity is the fact that they're playing your music. So it's fine to hire the black people. Like Mm -hmm. you can do that. Yep. But are you creating an environment where they feel like they are a part of what's Mm -hmm. going on? Yep. And are you giving them an opportunity to feel that sense of belonging? I feel like that is the full trajectory of how that conversation should go. I don't just want to bring the talent through the door so I can check that box. Mm -hmm. and have that metric kind of bump up. I want to create an environment where they feel that sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. And then I also want to create an environment where we're fostering that growth. So I think that that's a big thing because what does our retention, again, the retention, the growth and development Mm -hmm. of this talent look like? And I think that that's where corporations can fall short. Like they are focused on the number Mm -hmm. and not necessarily focused on kind of what it feels like for the people that are experiencing the corporation from that very unique perspective. Yeah. And I think that's an important point in the sense that if you are not doing that homework ahead of, you know, when you're applying for a role, you know, do that introspective about the company uh, point blank, literally like if you are saying you're going to a large corporation, I promise you, you can just go on LinkedIn, search that corporation and start finding some black employees. And talking to them yeah. and having that real conversation. Um, I'm saying what you identify with. I clearly I'm talking about black women because I'm a black, black woman, woman. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just saying identify the person, reach out. And I promise you there's actually people who will respond well, to that question and have those have mm-hmm. those conversations with you because, you know, this one thing like many of us, like we also want to earn a paycheck. 
don't get me wrong. Yeah. We want to do that. Very important. I mean, it's very important <laughs> on a day-to-day basis. That's a lot of, lot of reasons why we get up and go to work um, in every sense of the way. That's it. Right. Um, and so it's one thing to move from company to company. It's another thing to be like, okay, I want to move to a company that makes sense for me that I can see growth in, mm-hmm. et cetera. So I do encourage everyone to do their homework on those corporations. Talk to the real people that are working there uh, have really in-depth conversation about how does it feel to work there. But then you are also making a, a sound judgment on what you're going for. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're making a sound judgment, I'm only going for the money, then that's it. That's like, the yeah. then that's the choice. Then do that. I actually don't, I'm not faulting no one to do that because at the end of the day, this is an economy and we all need to make sure we can eat. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, you also need to know don't be blindsided by it, right? Like don't go in and think, okay, somehow the culture is going to magically appear for you or magically change or shift when, because you've stepped into it. Um, And that's not true uh, in any way. So for me, being at State Street for 16 years, this is one of the main reasons I'm still here is because of the employee networks. It's actually because of that fostering of family. Like these people are legit my family now. I don't even work directly with most of them, but they're my family and they've gotten me through many situations Mm -hmm. throughout the years that I've been here. And so if you can't find that kind of community when you're going in, just know that up front and make that decision to find that community outside because it will it will hurt you in the sense like your emotional state will change the way how you're responded to things will change because there's always a chip on your shoulder in a different way. Right. Um, but if you find that like community that you can foster at work, I encourage it all. The other piece I'd say to this is that a lot of us sometimes from a DEI perspective, always think about development for the individuals and not the development for the managers. And so I would caution anything that just says it's just the development for our people. It's actually the development for the manager. Absolutely. Point blank, they are in their ways, right? They grew up a certain way. They are already instituted in the way how they think, right? Um, and that's hard to change. That's not easy to change. But if you are growing, if you are actually coming into a company that makes sure that those individuals either go through some unconscious bias Bias training, training, they have some kind of manager tools and resources that are available to them. I encourage that, like just look for things like that, because then that tells you it's not this lopsided thing of like, oh, you're the black person coming in and you're a subpar you never are subpar. Trust me. I'm pretty sure more of us have more <laughs> education than anyone around us. Most of the time, I could tell you that without a doubt, without a fact um, that we do. We're more educated in many different ways. We probably have more skills, um, transient skills that people, most people don't have just because of our natural resiliency to everything. Um, we respond to a lot of things quicker. We know all these little things that, because we grew up this mm-hmm. way. Like this is just kind of like part of us. Like we literally, it's engraved in us. So with that being said, it's like, let's not like, you know, talk about development just for the individuals, but talk about development for your managers and encourage that type of culture as well. Absolutely. I think that manager, kind of that leadership, that that awareness of leadership is so important. We talk about this idea of allies, but the thought process is ensuring that the people in these leadership roles understand the value of the talent. Mm-hmm. We talk about the idea of hiring for numbers sake, the idea of diversity hires for numbers sake. And that's not necessarily the mentality that you want to have. You don't Mm-mm. want somebody in leadership looking at a resource, a person whose career is kind of in their hands at this point. Mm hmm. And really treating them as a diversity hire. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is, to your point, it's really about that, that training, that what systems are you putting in place to make sure that leadership is trained to really embrace talent that may not look like them. And I've had some really great leaders. Um, I tell the story of my starting out at the company that I'm at now. So this is my first, that was my first entry point into the corporate world prior Mm -hmm. to that. I had been in a hospital space in the hospital. Everybody, all walks of life, mm-hmm. all different colors, mm-hmm. like, and they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's doctors, it's um, the hospital administrators, mm-hmm. all the staff. It's a rainbow. So coming into the corporate space, it was very different. It was mm-hmm. a little bit of a culture shock for me. Um, and I remember starting at the company, being at the world headquarters, mm-hmm. 
looking the way I do. I have tattoos. I have locks. I like color. <laughs> um, and walking through the building and seeing nothing but yep. middle-aged yep. white men. They all looked very similar in terms of mm-hmm. their style of dress and things like that. There were some women kind of intermixed, but I really wasn't seeing anybody that looked like me. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was it had been a few weeks. I came in through um, the graduate leadership development program. So I was brand new, went through orientation with my cohort and then was set, sent off into the organization. And my first assignment manager, the executive sponsor for my first assignment was the president of one of the divisions. And he'd written me a letter. He wasn't able to meet with me right away. So a couple weeks in, again, I'm kind of walking through the the buildings, not necessarily seeing anybody that looks like me. And this was an internal conversation I was having with myself. Did I make the right choice? Do I belong here? Mm -hmm. Um, So when I finally got to meet this man, we met in his office. Um, He gave me an opportunity to kind of introduce myself. I gave him like my little elevator pitch of who I am, my career progression thus far. Um, He stopped me and he was just like, you're amazing. Mm -hmm. And I guess however I responded to it, it was very much like, I know, like I responded like, yeah, I'm aware. But I feel like he could read me and he could see that there was that little bit of uncertainty in there. Yes, I'm amazing. I know I'm amazing. But he could pick up on the fact that I was feeling like I'm not necessarily sure if I'm amazing in this space. Mm. So he looked at me and he was just like, listen, you're here for a reason. Mm -hmm. You were selected for a reason. And I need you to operate like you're here for a reason. Mm -hmm. You bring something to the table that's different than what everybody else is bringing. And your experiences are different. The way you're going to think about the problems that you're presented with are going to be different because of who you are, the uniqueness of what you bring to the table. And like I said, I don't know how he knew that I needed to hear that, but that's exactly what I needed to Mm. hear. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like he set me on the trajectory to then go out and show up as though I belong here. And that's really what gave me what I needed to be who I am in my career and to navigate this Fortune 100 company the -hmm. way I do and to show up unapologetically and be who I am in Mm -hmm. any space that I'm in because he let me know you belong here. Mm -hmm. Like you're what you bring to the table, your unique career trajectory up until this point, Mm -hmm. those lived experiences. Nobody else in that boardroom has that. None. So they're not thinking about it from that perspective. And Mm -hmm. that is a superpower for you because you now have this key ingredient that nobody else has. Absolutely. So show up in that. That's your power and you need to own it. And I feel like that's, it was amazing. I talk about him all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Patrick Durbin, Mm -hmm. he's no longer with the company, but I send him notes on um, LinkedIn every once in a while when I remember kind of that, that pep talk that he gave me. Mm -hmm. But that's the reality of the type of leaders we need to have. We need to have leaders who understand the value of diversity, not just color, but diversity of thought. Yeah. The fact that to solve a problem well, you You want people thinking about it from all different directions, not just if we're all thinking about it the same, we're going to solve it the same way. Sinking. And that's going to be all sinking and sinking to ship. So (laughs) teaching our leaders Mm -hmm. the value of diversity, not just for numbers sake, but the Mm -hmm. real value, the business requirement to have that diversity of thought. Absolutely. I mean, the future is us. Absolutely. Point blank. Um, And so if we're not part of it, they're not going to be able to survive Mm -hmm. as companies um, just by default. Right. Um, Black and brown is the majority uh, and the global majority. And so when you think about that from that lens, there's no company that can like outpace themselves to think that they would only need to focus on one particular lens. Um, so all what you said was beautiful. But and one of the things I would say is just like that br- bring, bring to mind about mentorship. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so like for me, that's kind of key in everything that we do. Um, honestly, I don't think we'll be able to navigate the corporate space without it. I mean, I don't th- actually, I don't even think you could navigate any kind of career path, even entrepreneurship without mentorship. Um, I think a lot of us, you know, might think like, oh, we can do it on our own and we could do this and we could do that. But honestly, like we all just need that little like voice over here. That's just something bouncing off some ideas off of something, um, being able to kind of like, and, and we can have a vast majority of, I mean, vast differences of, um, mentors, right. So we can have like 
you know, a mentor that's a peer mentor. Uh, you can have a mentor that's above you. You can have a mentor that's below you. You can have a mentor just everywhere, right? Like you can have spiritual mentors, mm-hmm. right? Like all these different type of mentors that you can kind of, you're going through life, right? We're all going through life um, in different ways. And so it's good to have that person to bounce some ideas off Absolutely. of. And so for me, point would you make make is like your mentors also don't always have to look like absolutely right um you know one of my best mentors was um one of my managers uh she was the chief administrative officer station her name was karen keenan and before she retired she was you know my key my she was my point manager in particular and so one of the things that she said i was going through my career i was a credit analyst for about 10 years thinking i'm just going i'm going through the motion in essence um and when she gave me the role uh i remember the first meeting that i was with her um and i was there taking notes thinking i'm like the lowest on the totem pole in this meeting so i'm like all these executives clearly she just wants me to take notes like what am i here i'm just taking notes mm-hmm. and i remember our one-on-one and i was just like telling her oh here's something that i'm thinking about here's here's a solution that i th- think they should think about blah 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 and she's like wait what are we doing um she's like you think we're gonna spend a meeting recapping another meeting and and she looked at me and she's like why didn't you say those in the meeting? And I was like, well, it's all executives. I didn't really, I thought you wanted me to take notes. She's like, I could take my own notes. That's not what I called you into the meeting for. And I was like, oh, but it was, it was the first time a manager just upfront tell me that. Right. But then also she was mentoring me to be great. Um, she really said to me, she's like, I did not ask you to be in this job or into this position or any of these meetings just to be taking notes or to just not actually share. I hired you for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, OK, that that was another pep talk that I didn't understand. Right. I knew she hired me, but I just didn't get to that point where she was saying to me, like, hey, I hired you for a reason. I needed your voice in there. Mm-hmm. I needed you to think differently than all the other executives around the room because we've been together and we're going to start groupthink. And I was like, oh, you know, and that was like, that took me off to another level because one, she wasn't thinking about the level that I'm at. She was thinking that I am a person that needed to be in the room Absolutely. and she put me in that mm-hmm. room. And I never regretted that ever since. I mean, I remember just like working with all the executives one-to-one or even in a group meeting and they definitely listened to me it was like it was such an empowerment that I didn't even know I needed but it's just like this encouragement of like whoa they're actually learning oh my goodness and just this week I was meeting with one of our other executives he's the president of the bank and I literally my brain was just like what is he saying to me right he's about to retire and he was like sure I just had to meet with you because I didn't want to go off and not say to you to thank you for teaching me things. Um, And he was just like, I'm seeing the way how you kind of unraveled in a sense of like, you've listened and you actually are the input that you give, you know, you're really listening and you're actually connecting the dots, et cetera. And I was just like, I was like, wait, he's the freaking president <laughs> of State Street. Like, I just need everyone to understand. Like, for me, my brain was like bursting because I was like, I'm about to cry. <laughs> right. Because I didn't expect I only came to tell him, thank him mm-hmm. for actually his words of wisdom and everything that he was doing for us just as a as as just an individual. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, because I've worked with him for a few years now and I was just thanking him before he kind of stepped away. Mm-hmm. And for him to say that to me, I was just like, like. You know, it's like when you realize like you're in your right job or you're in your purpose. Absolutely. Um, That was another like definition for me. Like it was just like a defining moment because it was a trajectory of me working with Karen and her telling me that like you need to step out of that and that honest that imposter syndrome that we kind of always put Mm -hmm. on ourselves Mm -hmm. saying you don't belong. Like you just here to do just simple things and, you know, you're not really you're not that executive. So you're like, okay, no, I don't have that title. So I'm not going to say anything, but she reminded me, no, like no one would invite you to this meeting if you didn't need, if you weren't supposed to put an input into it. Absolutely. Um, And then for him to say that, because now I've worked with him one-on-one, I've worked with him in large different projects. And he said that to me and I was like, oh, 
it's just another pep talk that you Absolutely. just needed. So the mentorship piece is going to be as critical. It's, it, it's critical for us to figure out our success. And I don't want to say it has to be always another person that doesn't look like us. We should also be finding mentors that do look like us, people that we aspire to, um, et cetera. So then that way we can kind of like say, well, here's, here's, they can tell us also some of the things that we don't need to do, right? Absolutely. Like, mistakes like not to the make mistakes it. not to make, yep. um, you know, the things that we shouldn't say, but not really because we're trying to take back or sink ourselves, but more of just kind of like navigating all these different pieces. And when people say like, okay, politics is this, listen, politics is everywhere. It's true. It's everywhere. It's, true. it's in a community work. <laughs> it's in real politics. It's in the corporations. Mm-hmm. It's in entrepreneurship circles. Trust me, there's politics everywhere. And sometimes we just need to be able to have that emotional intelligence to kind of figure out and navigate that. And if we can have mentors teach us some of those key communication skills mm-hmm. or, you know, just skills that we just need to be built up as we're navigating this world, like we should all take it all in. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think something that you talked a little bit about um, in past conversations was the idea of, yes, mentorship, but the value in sponsorship. So for me, I've had experiences similar to yours where it's like being the lowest level kind of person in the role, in the the room, Mm -hmm. coming to the table and not necessarily knowing where you fit in best. But that idea of showing up and then having that person serve as a sponsor for you. Mm -hmm. So yes, I'm going to say, I'm going to kind of speak your name in rooms that you're not even at. Let people know that you have these skills and abilities, kind of open doors for you, create seats at tables for you. Mm -hmm. So the idea of a mentor is kind of that bouncing ideas off of you, but a sponsor may not be a constant touch point, but it's just as valuable. So talk to me a little bit about kind of your experience with sponsorship. I know that you've had some mentors who have evolved into sponsors. So tell me, talk Mm -hmm. to me a little bit about that sponsorship versus mentorship. Yeah. And sponsorship is not overnight. That's the first thing I would say. So it's not like you could pick up the phone and be like, Hey, you know, seems like you're in this job that I want to be in, in the future. And can you be my sponsor? That's just not possible. Um, It's years, right? It takes years to cultivate that trust in particular, because when you talk about that sponsorship, people are stepping, basically taking a risk um, on saying, hey, you're the right person for that role. Or they're speaking your name in places that you didn't think or expect them to be, those are your sponsors. Mm -hmm. Just in case you were wondering what's the definition of sponsors, those are your sponsors. If people are speaking your name in different rooms um, and encouraging people to reach out to you or to do, have you do this or do that, whatever that role is in particular, those are your real sponsors. And, but that takes years to cultivate. Um, And for me, like Paul Francisco, for example, he not only was my mentor for years before he actually became my boss, but, um, but he was my mentors for years, uh, just kind of like as I was navigating being the only on a trading floor, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he was always just there to just bounce some ideas off of and kind of help me navigate a few conversations, difficult conversations, but good, good, good experience with that. And then he became my sponsor actually to my role with Karen Keenan, as I mentioned earlier with the, um, with who was the chief administrative officer of State Street, he became my sponsor. Now I didn't ask him to become my sponsor, but he had an opportunity to recommend two people for that role. And she trusted him to recommend the right set of folks to be in that role. Um, and obviously ultimately I got the role, but he, took a step, right? Like he took the opportunity to say like, Hey, I've been mentoring this person for a while. I actually think she would be best for the job. One, because he knew me enough, right? He knew the skills that I was already bringing to the table, the good, the bad, right? Like he knew all of that because we've had that discussion about like what skills I was bringing. Um, And so it was easy for him to recommend. It wasn't like a blanket recommendation Mm -hmm. or anything like that. He didn't have any context of who I was or anything like that. He actually knew me as a person and knew me as a worker. And so putting those two together, he was like, let me step out of my on faith and just say, Hey, like, sh- I think Shari is good for the role. Obviously I had to get the role. Absolutely. I had to apply Absolutely. and all that stuff. But the fact is like, he spoke my name. Mm-hmm. I had no reason to apply to that role to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. I don't even think I would have, if he didn't tell me about it or he didn't put me up 
um, on that level. And that's what you need, right? Like you need that transition. Now, I was really scared about actually making him my manager. I will connect, <laughs> I would just say that like, because one, I didn't want to change our relationship. To be quite honest, I was like, we had such a good relationship. So my brain was like, no, I don't want to change it. We've done so much good things throughout the years. We've had a great partnership. Mm-hmm. So I don't want him to be my manager. Um, but honestly, I don't regret it. Uh, he's taught me a lot. I'm learning a lot. I'm still learning. That's actually probably why I continue to be in the job because I'm learning. I'm still learning every day. Uh, there's so many things to navigate at a large corporation, 45,000 plus employees. I promise you it's big enough that we have issues that are, that we're dealing with on a daily basis. But for me, like that transition is important, but you know, that takes years to cultivate. Like you can't just have that overnight. So if you want to be intentional, make sure you're being intentional with that mentor. So if you say that's going to be your career mentor and you can have multiple, not just one, but you can have a career mentors and then you're cultivating that relationship where they know all the different skills. You got to tell them they're not going to, I mean, they don't work with all of them to work with you. So they're not going to know all the things that you're doing. You got to catch them up on that. All the big projects that you're working on, all different skills that you're building, but it should be a natural flow of the conversations and your mentor conversations. And then the skills that they're going to help you build, et cetera. So it could be a nice little reciprocal relationship Mm -hmm. that y'all are working through. And then that's when they're going to speak your name. uh, And you just never know when that is. Definitely. Definitely. You talked a little bit about the idea of the different types of mentors. Mm -hmm. You just touched on it again in terms Mm -hmm. of like a career mentor and maybe different types of parts of your career. So I know that um, a couple of the mentorship programs that I've helped to develop, we talk about the idea of almost like a board of advisors for whatever it is that you have going on. So I might choose a mentor um, from a career perspective, Mm -hmm. not because of the skill set, not because of even the area that the person's working in, but maybe Mm -hmm. it's somebody who's also a parent, somebody who's navigating the career ladder from the perspective of balancing family life and Mm -hmm. work life. Mm -hmm. That is a very unique kind of perspective. Mm -hmm. So that might be my mentor from a career perspective in that lane. I may also have a career mentor with somebody who is in the kind of line of work that I want to be in. Yep. So there's that aspect of it, but then there's things outside of the career. So it may Mm -hmm. be somebody like we talked about, like from a a on the personal side. Yep. Somebody who's able to kind of coach you unofficially and give you that guidance and perspective to help you navigate things on the personal side. Um, So I think that the idea of understanding who you are, what you are, what Mm -hmm. you're looking to build. I talk about the idea of self-reflection on a very regular basis. It's so important because if you don't know yourself, if you haven't done that kind of introspective, better understand who I am, how I'm showing up, what I need, then it's really hard to go and kind of curate that board of advisors because you're kind of, you're, you're shooting in the dark. You don't necessarily know right. what gaps it is that you need to be working on, mm-hmm. the things that you need to um, kind of be grooming in yourself. So I think that that self-reflection is very important. Yep. And the idea of kind of cultivating and curating yep. a board of advisors, like a series of relationships with different people um, that can help you. Again, that iron sharpens iron. I feel like that's what we have. Yeah. We have a really good kind of relationship when it comes to bouncing ideas off of each other Yeah, um, about the different things that we have going on. Yeah. And I feel like that is the beauty of that mentor. You've kind of talked about a peer mentor. Like it does not have to be somebody who is, doesn't have, has reached kind of this upper level of career in their mm-hmm. career. It could be somebody who is on the ladder right next to you because right like, how did you. you make, what rungs did you reach for? Yeah. So that I can, I'm, I'm thinking of a similar move. What did you do? Yep. yep. So I think that it's, it's amazing to have that kind of, again, that community, like you said, that community. Yep. It may not be at your same company because we are not at the same company. We're not. But we're able to kind of we're in a corporate though. Exactly. We're, we're in a exactly. corporate company. And sometimes it really doesn't matter doesn't. what lens that you exactly. be in sometimes. <laughs> it's just like you both in a corporate company. There's a lot of things that are very similar. Absolutely. That transcends. Yep. So that's really yep. um, a great, uh, that's a, I think that that's a really important recommendation, that yep. idea of finding others mm-hmm. um, and leveraging that. Yep. And kind of talk about the idea of a reciprocal relationship, not just take, take, take. Yep. But having it be something where you guys are both benefiting from the absolutely, connection. Absolutely. And then you can set those set those up front, right? And I will say some of them turn into not just like this, like on paper, we need to put everything on paper that, hey, 
here's what you get from me and I get from you that it seems so transactional, mm-hmm. right? Like it's a receipt or something. That's not really what it is. I think those can be built in, right? There's going to be some formal ones from formal, men- like at work, mm-hmm. you might find some formal mentorship program that, you know, tells you you need to write these things down and here's the three goals and y'all going to meet for the next nine That's months or, yeah. and this is what you're going to talk about, et cetera. Those are cool too. Don't get me wrong. Those are good as well. Cause then it also gives you an intro and insight to mm-hmm. figure out if you want to continue a relationship with those, but some of them should be built naturally as well. Like, you know, like we've, I feel like we've built naturally mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in the sense that like, okay, it's not a formal mentorship relationship, but it's like, you know, we literally are a lot of life journeys on the same way. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's good to just kind of like say, Hey, like what's going on with you? Like how you do this? How can I do this? Right. Um, but then it's not a competition thing either. So that's the other thing I would also say caveat by most people think when you do peer mentorship, you're trying to get free thing from someone or free advice from someone or something like that. And, you know, that's just not what it is. Like sometimes it's just, I just want to talk to you Mm -hmm. and I just want to kind of bounce some things after you. So I think it's just got to be a natural progression and sometimes it doesn't work out and that's okay too. It's true. Right. (laughs) You can let people go. Right. Like life is short Mm -hmm. in essence. And as, as you said, we go through phases, right. You know, we were young professionals. We're mid midlife now, I would call this. It's midlife. Anything after 30, 35 is midlife <laughs> for anyone out there. It's midlife, right? Like 35 plus is midlife. And then you got to figure out next trajectory after that, right? Like retirement, right? Phase, right? That's a whole nother phase, right? Um, so you're going through and like, honestly, not everyone is going to be on that same journey with you. Um, and that's okay. That's okay. And there's no ill will about that. Right. Like just right now, they're just not on that journey. As you said, you do your Mm self-reflection and you realize you might've either one, maybe uh, grow the relationship in in the way that maybe they're holding you back. Mm -hmm. So you can also do that type of assessment where you'd be like, okay, you know what? I've heard all I need to hear. It doesn't seem like this is in a positive direction. Um, the relationship is not moving in a positive. It feels like I'm staying in like a negative mindset mm-hmm. every time I talk to that person. That's not what you want. You want to you want to kind of exit that relationship. And it doesn't be and it don't have to be like this, like, oh, you know, saying to the person that I no longer want to speak mm-hmm. to you. Like we don't have to take it in a <laughs> not and, you know, in a bad way, but just more of like, you know, start slowly, like saying I don't need to talk mm-hmm. to them every day. Mm-hmm. I don't need to talk to them every month maybe a once a quarter, mm-hmm. whatever that is, right? So you can kind of like have that natural progression off of that individual because you don't want that to infiltrate what your future is, Absolutely. right? Like Absolutely. you want to be able to make sure that like it's it's good, it's positive. Like life is already hard enough, mm-hmm. honestly. I would not want to have a mentor relationship. That makes my Just life draining. harder. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like honestly, we, we already tired. It's By the time I get home, I'm exhausted, right? Um, so that's just how I would take it. Just to make sure that, you know, whatever you're doing it is, as you do those self-reflection, make sure you're taking those into consideration as well. Like Absolutely. who's in your circle? Who's in that board advisor? Are they actually positively impacting you? Because what that's a board advisor, mm-hmm. right? The board advisor is to make sure that they're positively taking you to the next level. Absolutely. If they're not doing that, then sorry. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that that's something that we need to embrace. The fact that you outgrow people, there's different seasons Mm -hmm. and just like the leaves are falling off the trees. Like maybe this connection needs to fall off Mm -hmm. and it's okay. It's okay. It's It's okay. okay. It was fun while it lasted. I'm Mm -hmm. sure it served whatever purpose. Like we both hopefully we both gain something from it. So I think that's why it's important that it is reciprocal. It's not one-sided, mm-hmm. um, but it's okay to outgrow connections. Absolutely. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what I'm going to do, we're going to switch gears a little bit okay. and we're going to go to the affirmation cards. Yay. So you know how I feel about this affirmation card deck. You have a deck of your own, yes, correct? I do. Okay. Yes, I do. So what we'll do is I'll have you pull a card. Okay. And then I'll have you read your affirmation to us and then tell us how it resonates. I'm just going to put this one around. Okay. All right. Nice and shuffled. There you go. 
hopefully we have a good one. <laughs> no, it's kidding. Always it's all good. good. I know. I know. It's always a um, good one. Okay. Wow. Okay. I feel like I don't know if I got this the last time when we talked, but maybe not. I've been doing <laughs> your. I did a screenshot too. I was like, wait. So I give myself grace. I will remain gentle with myself during tough times. Okay. So what is that? How does that resonate for you? Um, I think as we just talked about, like everyone's in a season. Um, and honestly, sometimes we think the season is, is going to be here forever. Um, and so this part about, I give myself grace. I feel like that's like, just speaking volumes of where, where, where I'm at in life in general, where I just like, I just get, had to give myself some time to be like, Hey, it's tough right now, but like, it's going to get easier. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. So I'm going to pull one. Okay. And I'll do the same. Yay. So mine says, I filled my mind with nourishing thoughts. Negative self-talk has no place in my life. Mm -hmm. I think that this is very, (laughs) this Mm -hmm. is very on point. Mm -hmm. Um, You were actually here to witness me having a a self pep talk. Mm -hmm. I am very much... Um, I do self coaching. Mm -hmm. So I I spend a lot of time coaching myself Mm -hmm. through life, Mm -hmm. life's ups and downs. Mm -hmm. Actually, the idea of that positive self-talk is where the deck of affirmation cards came from. Makes sense. So for years I have been, I've always been a vision board girl, but I had spent a lot of time kind of jotting down those positive self talk Mm -hmm. things, those positive affirmations, those positive kind of comments or quotes that I wanted to remind myself of. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was kind of going through pictures. I have pictures from years ago Mm -hmm. where that cork board, the cork board right next to my bed. So I Mm -hmm. have this set up. So as soon as I open my eyes in the morning, that's what you see. That's what I see. I love it. So I see the things, the goals that I have for myself. Mm -hmm. So the logos of my businesses, um, this dream house that I toured, it was like a multi-million dollar home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I toured the house and I have like the listing photo right there on it. Yeah. Um, dream bank account balance. I had yeah. found like somebody's bank ATM receipt and it had a ridiculous balance in there. So I put that up there, you know, God's willing, my bank account balance looks, is going to look like that like one that. day. Where I'm going to take out a little bit of money, but there's going to be so much overflow. Yep. But the idea of positivity. So those positive yep. things, those positive words to myself mm-hmm. um, are right there open my eyes they're right there so i can't miss it that positivity is there but like i said i talk to myself throughout the day and i will encourage myself right when you're about to get into like a little pity party you're like we're not doing that we don't have time for that (laughs) we don't have time for that bring it back bring it back for that so that's very that's who i that's how i function um and the idea like i said i used to write those things down on post-it notes, but then I wanted an opportunity to share it with others. So that's where the affirmation deck came from. And that's like, like I said, you saw me have to like coach myself, like pep myself up. Yep. We got to do it. Let's go. Let's go girl. We don't have time. Yeah. Um, So that negative self-talk, I don't do that. You just like, (laughs) let's do do it. Let's keep moving. I don't do that. Yeah. And as you said, well, the, my card said, give yourself mm-hmm. grace, give yourself grace for those moments that you need to have. Absolutely. Yep. And I am very good for the giving myself grace. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this rule where I will allow, like, depending on what, what it is, mm-hmm. I'll allow time for it. So Got it. Got it. bigger things, mm-hmm. um, hurt feelings. Mm-hmm. I allow myself 24 hours to be in my feelings and just let it, let it lie. And then we got to go. We mm-hmm. got stuff to do. We mm-hmm. can't, we got stuff to do. So okay. I absolutely am good for giving myself grace. You can take a moment. Mm-hmm. You can have a moment. Okay. And then we got to, we got stuff to do. We got work to got do. It. We gotta got to get it. out your feelings. Cause we got work to do. Got so. Next step. Next step. What are we doing <laughs> exactly, today? Exactly. Where are we going? <laughs> exactly. So yep. that's definitely very much the, um, the, the way I, the way I function. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. It's awesome. But um, I love these affirm- affirmation cards. Absolutely. Honestly, they they're definitely one of those things where you just need to just have on your table every day Absolutely. and just pick one up just in case you are feeling, you know, as you said, in that moment, you just need to just take that moment for yourself, whatever that reflection looked like. It could simply be writing something down. Mm-hmm. So even those hard feelings, writing those hard Absolutely. feelings down, sometimes getting it out, just getting get it, it out. out. I do a lot of notes on my phone mm-hmm. <laughs> um, constantly of just like, you know, what? I don't need to yell this right now, but I'm just going to write, write this. <laughs> And then I'm going to delete it. Maybe I'll delete it. Maybe I'll send it somewhere. I don't know. But 
I just, this is what I feel right now. So yeah, I do a lot of that as well. So I'm not a, I'm not a big, a diary writer anymore. I used to be, mm-hmm. but not anymore, but I do a lot of my notes now okay. just on my phone, but I think it helps to just take that moment to just say, okay, here's all what I'm feeling. I might not feel this in like 10 minutes, but this is what I'm feeling right now. Absolutely. And I'm just going to write it all out. Absolutely. No, it's definitely good to be, to, like I said, give yourself some, some time to feel the feelings. You're yep. allowed to feel them yep. because you can't per- get past it. If you're not going to, you got to go, you got to go through it yep. to get through it. Yep. Um, so that's very real. And I think that the idea of leveraging the affirmation cards as a prompt for whatever that writing is. Yep. Um, is very helpful. Yep. Awesome. Um, I'm trying to think, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? I don't remember. I know you were trying to recreate, but (laughs) But that's it. No, but I think it was good. Okay. So let me, I'm going to stop it. Okay. I'm going to stop the recording. Well, I guess we can. Thanks, Karima. (laughs) Thanks for coming. I appreciate you taking time to talk to me. Absolutely. Um, I appreciate kind of your thought, your perspectives, especially on some of the um, DNI and kind of that representation, the idea of kind of making sure that we're building representation into these corporations. Absolutely. And we belong there. Just to be clear, like I know a lot of people think, oh, we should go build our own. I think we could do that in conjunction of also being present. Um, I think a lot of wealth is in these organizations and a lot of just economic benefit that we get being part of the conversation to change the trajectory of where that money goes, et cetera. So to me, I do think we belong there as much as they may say we don't, um, as much as people try to push you out or something in any way, I think we belong here and just want to say thank you for letting me talk about it in essence, right? Just sharing with everyone the work that we do, uh, sharing with everyone the importance of that work. Um, and maybe why you, maybe you want to get involved in that work in, in particular. Um, I know there's a lot of places going around with DEI roles, so be also be careful about that, but, um, but just, Thank you. Absolutely. It's definitely something to think about. Mm-hmm. Right. Thank you. Yeah, right. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode where we celebrate the superpower that is being multifaceted. If this resonates and feels like home, make sure to send it to a friend, colleague, or someone close to you and write a review so we can continue to grow, connect, and celebrate. Until next time, continue showing up as your true self and taking up space. 